0: Rabbi Jonathan Sachs says that ancient people believed that you could defeat mortality by building structures, by building monuments that would outlast the winds of time. But the ancient Jewish people were different. The Jewish people dared to believe that mortality could be defeated by engraving your ideals into the hearts of your children and they into their children, and they into theirs. For this reason, some rabbis teach, call them not your children, but call them instead your builders. Because it's not what you and I produce that will last, but it's who our children are that will last. Who the generation is that comes after us that will last. The scripture story that we just heard is meant to illuminate ideals that are worth passing on. It is a story that is worth telling, a story that is worth hearing. There are only four characters in this story the man, the woman, God, and a talking snake. Some have said that that snake is Satan. But the text doesn't say that. It simply says that this is a strange, if not comical, figure because the snake talks. That's weird. And if I were being completely honest, I would point out to you that that snake is a theologian or a preacher. Because what does the snake talk about? You know what the snake talks about? Let me tell you what his lines are. He says, did God say that you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And then the snake says, you will not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Who does the snake talk about? The snake talks about God, right? So I say, take the pitchfork out of the hand of that snake and give that snake a pulpit. That snake is a preacher. And be warned, it's dangerous behavior to make claims about God and not be in relationship with God. Sometimes I'm like that. Sometimes I'm like the woman. I'm curious. I was curious about fig leaves this week, what they look like, what they feel like. I've never had a fig tree in my yard And so we have a fig tree up here at the front. When Michael Williams writes about this particular story in the Bible, he says that the man and the woman make for themselves sandpaper aprons. That's what a fig leaf feels like. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? Fig leaves having the texture of sandpaper, fig leaves aren't really suitable to be undergarments. It can be good to be curious. You learn things that you need to know. Sometimes I'm curious about a boundary or a rule. Danielle Schroyer is a pastor and a teacher who wrote a book about this particular story in Genesis, and she says that there are many ways that we can interpret this scripture story. Her favorite way to interpret it is to say that this is a story about growing up. Life in the garden is like a wonderful childhood, she says. The man and the woman have everything that they need. They have a loving parent. Their basic needs are provided for. They have a little bit of work, but not too much, right? And they have the joy of innocence. But then questions arise, and the man and the woman get curious. Every parent Of a child who is growing up has heard questions like, Why can't I do that? Who says that you know best? What happens if I do this? Sometimes children brazenly choose rebellion, but other times they just stumble across it. That's what happens in my house. Have you ever asked one of your own after they broke a rule, Why did you do that? Didn't you think that through? Usually the answer in my house is, I don't know, or no, because when we are growing up, we are just beginning to learn what's at stake. Schorier claims that getting kicked out of the garden is not the end of the world for the man and the woman, it is instead the beginning of adulthood, that their eyes are open This take on Genesis is not unique to a 21st century female pastor that lives in Dallas. (laughs) Second century, century theologian Bishop Irenaeus believed that the man and the woman were like children. He wrote that they were like children in the garden and that the instant that they gain the knowledge of good and evil, they gain adulthood. The pair enter into a troubling world. But they carry with them the image of God and they must find a new way. They have to find a new way to be in relationship with God and with one another. I know what it's like to be in a troubling world. And when I read this story and I hear the man say to God, I was afraid, so I hid, I get it. Because sometimes I'm like that. Sometimes I'm afraid and I hide. I like to watch the news or read the news, but I recognize that the refrain that comes from the news to me is that the world is not safe, and there are a lot of things that I can do living in this day and age to hide. I don't even have to go to the grocery store anymore. I can and I do have my groceries delivered to my front step. I can have almost anything delivered to my doorstep. I can instantly read a book. I don't have to go to the bookstore. I can get great teaching online and great music online. I can earn a degree. I can even go to church over the computer. Hiding has become pretty easy. And I think that's too bad. That's too bad because when you set hiding next to disobedience, hiding just might be the greater offense. Or at least it's harder to deal with. We tell our children, if you get into trouble, just tell us. If you get into trouble and we don't know about it, will you tell us? And it's not just so that I can fix it. It's because I know that hiding and keeping the anxiety to myself just causes it to fester. It just makes it grow. The man says to God, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. And I suppose at first glance, we might imagine that he's embarrassed because he has no clothes. But that's not what's happening here. There's a difference between being embarrassed and being ashamed. And this is a story about the problem of shame. Embarrassing is when I walk down the steps here at the church on a Sunday morning and I trip. It happens pretty often. (laughs) Somebody will see me, but you know what? We can laugh together. We laugh together and I laugh because I know that whoever sees me gets it. They understand what it is to trip over your own foot. They get that. They've done it at one time or another. That's embarrassing. But shame is different Shame happens when I believe that no one would understand, that no one would get it, because I'm somehow flawed or I'm unworthy, I'm not good enough. And while there certainly could be some guilt involved in this Genesis story, the man and the woman, they do cross a boundary. Guilt is triggered when we know that we did something wrong. But when there is guilt and no shame, we just fix the wrong, right? We just make it correct. We make it right. Shame whispers not that you did something wrong, but that you are something wrong. And shame tells you that you should hide, that you should grab whatever's next to you. Grab that fig tree. Grab that sandpaper and put it on. And that's exactly what they do. Oddly enough, What neutralizes shame is vulnerability, coming out in the open, speaking that you feel shame. The best way to work against shame is to tell somebody, I feel ashamed. Fear and shame are a terrible combination, and they have the power to stop us, to render us powerless. Powerless. And we find both in this story, both fear and shame. My favorite Genesis theologian, Walter Brueggemann, says that God does for the couple what they can't do for themselves, and that is deal with their shame. God can and does deal with our shame and deal with our fear. The faith-walking course that we sometimes teach at this church teaches that there are three things to consider— When you are placing your shame before God, remember courage, remember compassion, and remember connection. So it's compassion for yourself, courage to speak up, and connection with other people. Hiding from God is tinted with the humor of the ridiculous, isn't it? You can't hide from God. But the man does speak up. He puts words on his shame. He admits his impulse to hide, and God shows up with compassion. You see, I think when I read this story, sometimes I'm like the characters in this story. Sometimes I talk about God instead of to God. Sometimes I'm curious. Sometimes I blame other people for my misfortune. Sometimes I'm afraid. And ashamed, and I try to hide sometimes I talk about myself a lot on Sunday mornings, right? But all the time, all the time, God is gracious, all the time this story says, all the time, God is passionate about life here 's the thing that we know from the second chapter of Genesis. We know that God said in verse sixteen You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for on the day that you eat it, you shall die. That's what God said about eating from the tree. That's not what the woman said that God said. It's not what the snake said about the tree. It's what God said. God said, in the day that you eat of it, you shall truly die And you know what? That didn't happen. They didn't instantly die. God made a way. And as Schroyer says, God upgrades their traveling clothes. When my daughter was packing for her trip to India a couple of weeks ago, the instruction for the clothes that she was supposed to bring were collars to her neck, Sleeves to her wrist, pants to her ankles, all for 100-degree heat. Well, we didn't have that kind of stuff. We didn't have those kind of clothes. But Claire has a friend in college whose parents are immigrants from Pakistan, and they had the goods. They had the stuff that she needed to pack to take with her to India. It was lightweight, it was flowy material, and it matched the requirements of modesty that we couldn't match. Adam and Eve are going to have a tough time making it in the world in those sandpaper undergarments, those sandpaper aprons, that God is a good tailor, and God provides gentle, soft coverage for their journey into a troubling world. One other thing that's worth considering is the quality of their farewell from the garden. Both the NIV and the NRSV say that the couple is driven out. That's how the words are translated. But as with many Hebrew words, there's more than one way to translate that particular verb in the Bible. It can be translated banished or driven out, but it can also be translated sent forth, sent out. The verb is used three other times in the Hebrew scriptures, and all three times it is used it means to send out with blessings to send out with provision it's a consequence that they are sent out from the garden but it may not be as harsh harsh of a punishment as we've sometimes imagined it's a new boundary and i believe they are sent out with provisions they are sent out with blessings there's a story that's called The Princess and the Goblins. And in this story, there's a princess who lives in a house in the country outside of a village. Unbeknownst to her, there are goblins that are after the people in the village. And they are continuously digging tunnels to get near the village and to get near the people that live there. The princess, is, she's ha- kept hidden in this big house where one day she stumbles upon a woman, an old woman, who lives in her attic, and the old woman is sitting there at a spinning wheel, spinning golden thread. The woman, she discovers, is her great-grandmother, and her great-grandmother has been there the whole time, watching over her. The golden thread, she tells her, is woven into all things in her world And if the princess will always hold on to the thread, she'll be able to find her way back to her great-grandmother. When the goblins tunnel under the house where the princess lives and they threaten to flood everyone who lives in the house, the princess takes the thread that she's been given and she finds her way to safety. The thread saves her. It's her connection to life. I believe that our God is passionate about life and passionate about making a way in a troubling world when things are difficult for us. When Jesus says in John's gospel, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, we should say you sure are because that's exactly who God is and what God is about. God is about making a way and offering us new life.